that. Okay, look. This is the first time you've ever. But those look like my notes. Wrote this much in my life. What? This is partially because I started writing really. I wrote really big at first. Like you oh, can yeah. see, it gets smaller. <laughs> something gets smaller. That's me when I have an essay and it's. Well, like, I didn't realize how many victims there were. <laughs> Damn. Okay, just get them I was going and I was like, oh god. Do you ever like? Have an exam or something, and like a certain amount of space, and you're like, you're like, I got this. And then <laughs> like, you progress when you get yeah. to I didn't do what I was supposed to. Do. I forget how we do this. No, yeah, I have no idea. What's <laughs> podcasting? Hello, everybody. Hello. We're welcome back. back. We hope everyone's safe and doing well. Yes. And alive. And a lot. Yeah, that too. If not, if you're tuning in as a ghost, please email <laughs> us. <laughs> We'd love to hear your stories. What she said. <laughs> it's episode 29. We're back from quarantine with a new episode. Yay. We tried the... Um, we tried to we record. We tried the Zoom recording. Wasn't our best rec- sounding recording? Still great stories. Yes. As you heard last well, we episode. Did, decided to just take a little break. Yeah. So well, we figured you guys had more important things to, do <laughs> to anyway. worry about than <laughs> listening to us. Tell you about some ghosts and murders. There was enough stress in the world. We didn't need to add to people's anxiety. Yes, exactly. Us, us personally. They have, they have plenty, th- plenty of things that they're doing instead of sleeping already. <laughs> There you go. Okay, did I tell you about the tarot cards? Um, I don't, yeah, I think so. So I have tarot cards, mm-hmm. and I did like a reading, and it basically was like, get ready for a change in your position, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. your job. Guess what 29 means? A change in Something's going to change in your life. Ooh. I don't like this, because I'm supposed to find out this week. Ooh. What's going <laughs> That's really spooky. It's and terrific. Have you done Why a tarot? always so on point? <laughs> so on point. We take a break, and yet it's still <laughs> Don't we to needed to take that break so it applied yeah. to our lives. So it also means also is a number of teamwork. Hmm. Yeah. That's what makes the dream work, y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I wonder so, if you just had a fan going on like in the distance, how bad that would sound. Okay, so I only have two fans. One of them you won't feel if I put it too far away. Like you literally have to have it right in front of you, and the other one's really loud. It's like, okay. it's okay. like weird because okay. it's broken. So. This isn't a high class operation, we <laughs> Our microphone, our recording device, is being held up by two Budweisers right now. So we're very. Classy. We are not associated with Budweiser in any. We're very classy <laughs> over here. Oh god. Okay. Twenty nine. We're here. Guess uh, what? You asked for it. Actually, my, you did it. My dad did. <laughs> he doesn't listen, but he's like, you know what? You should talk about every single time we talk about the podcast. Michigan murders. So we're here. Maybe he'll listen to this episode. Maybe he'll do it. And I'm actually doing covering the story of someone he has. He talks about every single time the podcast comes up. He's like, you know who you should talk about on the podcast? Is this someone he knows or just? I don't remember. I think he knows people who knew him. Oh, okay. Kind of situation. I mean, he was only 17 when this happened. So like, I don't think they were like tighter. Right. I'm not hanging out. Considering this guy was from Kentucky, so well not gotcha. from Kentucky, but in Kentucky. So I'll get we'll get there. Keeping the mystery alive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I chose um, which is like pretty fitting, but a very heavy story 
I'm so excited to hear this story. To kind of start out, so <laughs> um, I just, trigger warning, I guess, a lot of very gruesome details. About halfway in, I realized I didn't need to include all of the very graphic details that were included in the article, but you know. But sometimes you're just like, I feel like this needs to be known as well. Yeah. Just because, just to, right, just just so it doesn't sound like you're trying to sympathize with. I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't know. I'm no, always afraid people are like, you're sympathizing with the murderer. No, right. no, no, no. Trust me, we think all these people are assholes. <laughs> right. Okay, so I got. Okay, I got this information from. This very, very good article. Citing our sources, love it. That is actually part of my French. It's called Here's the Fucking Twist.com. I thought you were gonna say French, like actually speak French. Oh. And you were like, pardon <laughs> my butchered pronunciation of the French language. No, I wouldn't even attempt that. I had to oh, you wanna know my proudest moment so far during quarantine? <laughs> I called someone for work and they were from like um the Ivory Coast or something where they speak French mm-hmm. and they're like, they're like I don't speak English and so I have to look up how to say I don't speak French and I will email you and I said it in French and they're like okay I understand I was nice. like <laughs> yeah that's a win I, I, I still know do you speak English and French but that's it yeah this article was written two years ago by Kristen Rachel um so I'm talking about okay it's known as a few different Things. Michigan murders, the Ypsilanti Ripper, the co-ed killer, whatever you would like to coin it. Um, not the co-ed killer that you yes, think. Yes, not to be confused with Ed Kemper. Um, it's kind of like the Night Stalker and the this original is like the Michigan, Night Stalker. Yeah, this is like the, the Michigan version. The off-brand. <laughs> the off-brand <laughs> co-ed killer. Okay, um, I kind of forget. I was going to say something I feel like was important, but if I figure it out in the middle... I'm going to make you cut it out in pieces. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to leave this in. <laughs> so that people know there might come later. Uh, <laughs> let me see if looking at this article reminds me. Because I feel okay. like... I feel like that's when you had the idea. To- oh, oh yeah. Oh. There we go. Um, there's actually a book also called oh, The nice. Michigan Murders. And I've heard of it. I, that was the first time I had heard about these murders. Which is surprising because I am really into that stuff and also live in Michigan and actually lived in Ypsilanti for three years. That's weird. I feel like if I lived in Ypsilanti, I feel like I'd be the person that never sat talking about like... Well, I was also in elementary school. Oh, yeah. Um, But it is weird that no one ever like mentioned it, I guess. Or mentioned it, yeah. Um, Because I moved to Kingsley, my old town, when mm -hmm. I was in uh, fifth grade. In sixth grade, that's when I learned about... I mean, it's not a serial killer, but that's when I learned about the... um, Dog man. Oh, yeah. Because people are immediately like, have you heard of yeah. the dog man? I'm I feel like, like no. As, I feel like I didn't become, like, interested in murder and death. I feel like it, you know, you gotta wait a little while. It's like high school, usually. I oh, I like started, it, Law and Order was my obsession when I was I, I loved eight Law and years Order old. Also, but <laughs> and I then didn't, I like, s- start researching murders oh, and I watching started... the Investigation Discovery channel until. Oh, I started watching Snap probably when I was 10 or 11. And reading murder mystery, like, obviously, like, suspense, murder mystery mm-hmm. fiction when I was that age. I did, like, murder mystery novels. I love that shit. Uh, but, Mary Higgins Clark. But it wasn't something <laughs> oh, that I, like, I guess I'm saying, like, I didn't talk to Holy my Coven. friends at school about Oh, I still did murders. I looked it up I in high school. <laughs> I looked it up in presentations on it in class so people had to listen to me. 
Yeah, I was never, there was never an opportunity that I could. <laughs> was my informative speech. Do anything on murders. Oh, it was my informative didn't speech. Didn't have a speech class oh, in I did. high school. I was like, get ready. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to start out with the victims. Um, so victim number one, Mary Flesser? Flesser? <laughs> I like how we had a break and you just... <laughs> Well, I heard it earlier, and I forgot, and it's kind of pointless to look it up. Uh, I mean, I could... No, no, it's fine. Now I have to look it up, because... It's just funny, because every time you're like, I think that's how it's pronounced. Whereas I just confidently say things, whether it's right or wrong. They say it, like, four different... I watched, like, eight videos today. I always have, like, a plan to watch videos, and then it never happens. Like, I have the links to the videos, and then I don't, so... Okay, so I'm just going to start going um, victim by victim. Okay. Um, so victim number one was Mary Flesser. She was 19 year old, a 19-year-old Eastern Michigan University student. She was last seen on July 9th in 1967. She was seen walking toward her apartment with a blue-gray car slowly following beside her. Um, twice, a witness saw the car come to a halt and the driver tried to speak to Flesser and she would appear to shake her head no and then walk away from the car. Four weeks later, on August 7th, two teen boys find Mary's body on an abandoned farm. What? Um, she had to be identified through her dental records. Hmm. It was determined that she was stabbed over 30 times in the chest and abdomen. Oh my god. The feet were severed above the ankles. Her thumb and sections of fingers were missing, and the forearm on her other arm was severed. Why? She was missing appendages that were, uh, or sorry, and the missing appendages were never found. Okay, I can understand, I understand the feet, okay, this sounds gross, but I understand the feet and the fingertips because they say you can identify people Yeah, like I mean, it wasn't all of her fingers, though. It was oh, just, just, like, random and... sections oh. of her fingers. Oh, that's and, weird. Like, it was just, like, he Did was having fun. ever say why, or he's just, like, no. love a good foot and a yeah, good four finger? Well, and it's just creepy that, like, the appendages were never found. Like, the missing ones were just never found. Yeah. What do you do with them? Right. But Kaylee, I don't like this story. <laughs> they were also able to find multiple abrasions indicating that she'd been beaten as well. Oh. Um, and they concluded that she had been moved three times. What? But, yeah. How can you find that out based on like dirt? I thought that too. So first they determined that it she was placed on like bottles and cans, like a pile of bottles and cans because they found like glass and oh. stuff like that in her skin. Um, and then, which again, I don't know how they, <laughs> then she was dragged five feet to a nearby field, and then she had laid there undiscovered, and so she was then moved three feet. What? In the same field to where she, she like, was just discovered. came back, and he's like, oh, no so one I'm found her So I'm thinking it was kind of like, yeah, like a cocky, like, I want people to find her kind of thing. What a weirdo. And trying to, like, flash it, whatever. This is why serial killers get caught. Yeah, but... I mean... Wait. <laughs> I don't know if he got caught. So, to Google it. <laughs> two days later, um, at the funeral home that Mary's body was at, a young man showed up and asked to take pictures of the body. Ew! And he said it was, like, for the family, but... Wasn't the family there to be like, 
No, it was like they were prepping the body. And so the guy was like, uh, no. Yeah. Like, sorry. (laughs) That's freaking weird. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) I I mean, imagine being that guy and like, what? Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like, how do you process that? Well, and I think he like got even creepier and he said something like, oh, what? You're not going to get her all prettied up before? Like something weird like that. But anyway, so he says no. Ew. He asks again. What? No! The second I, time. And I the said guy's no. like, the guy's like, no, like, just leave. <laughs> and, like, the employee couldn't give, like, a specific description, but said that he was a white man with dark hair and drove a blue-gray car. And he also added that he didn't even have a camera with him. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. If you're going to lie, commit to it. Like, commit to it. It's not like you can just, like, whip out your phone and be like, Well, yeah. I'm thinking, unless he had, like, one in his pocket and the guy but then i'm like in the 1960s i'm sure cameras were pretty, pretty big. big camera and like so. wouldn't you have like documentation of it like yep here's the signed information like and it's not like that's a normal thing that you could get away with like who who goes to like a yeah it was just weird the funeral home is I like mean, a pictures. lot of people like take pictures of like their relatives in not when they're the caskets yeah in the casket not well that's like, what he was doing he was like readying her it wasn't like the morgue it was a funeral home. So okay. like, See, I thought it was, like, before anything was done. It's no. just like, oh. And, yeah. So, that was Mary. So, victim number two was Joan Schell. Um, she was a 20-year-old art student, and she was last seen by her roommate, Susan Colby, at a bus stop on June 30th. When realizing that she had missed her bus, she decided to hitchhike. Oh. Um, this red and black Pontiac Bonneville... With three young white men, <laughs> with three young white men, offered her a ride, and she got in despite Colby, like her roommate, suggesting that she not do so because well, gets in a car. She was being kind of yeah. She was being smart and yeah, like that's the that's um, a no go. Shell had promised to call her roommate once she made it to her destination. She's going to her boyfriend's apartment, um, but three hours later, she. Hadn't heard from her, and she decided to call the police. Which, like, pretty good smart. friend. Yeah. Because... Because I tell people friend... to text me all the time, and they don't. Yeah. Sometimes I, like, text them. I'm like, listen, yeah. I told you to tell me when you got home. Or it'll be, like, like my friends... I could go, like, two weeks without no, hearing from them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they'll read a text, and then, like, Just forget to text me back. And then, like, <laughs> five days later, be like, oh, my God, I forgot to read this. I would not, my first initial thought would not be, oh, something's wrong. Then again, you were in constant contact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if I go if I go more than four days without talking to you, something's wrong. Because yes. I feel like, even if I'm not saying anything, I always send stuff to you. On, like, though. Snapchat and stuff, yeah. Yeah, TikTok. So if um, I go four days and I have not warned <laughs> you, you should be concerned. But yeah, I mean, think of how many times you've been like, call me when you get home, or like, text me when you get home, and then people just don't, and I just like, always assume that they're like, okay, I'm that's like, bad. Next time I'm calling the police. Next time, <laughs> my friend, imagine the police showing up at your house, they're like, um, we gotta call that you went missing, you're like, <laughs> I just forgot to text <laughs> I forgot, her. my friend is a psycho. I just, yeah, stop talking to you. <laughs> but on July 5th, 1968, her or there was a body found by construction workers on the Ann Arbor roadside. Ugh. I'm gonna reread that because it was her body, but I didn't get that. In the, I mean, <laughs> well, I assume it was. Is she was a U of M student then? Clues to like lead. Oh, okay. So, July fifth, nineteen sixty-eight, a body, 
Whose was Why it? Why did I write Whose was it? Whose was okay. it? Okay. July 5th, 1968, uh, her body was found by construction workers on the Ann Arbor roadside. She was stabbed 25 times. <gasps> oh my god. Raped. Oh. Her throat was slashed. Oh my god. And her mini skirt had been tied around oh her neck. God. She had an additional wound behind her left ear, which resulted in a fractured skull. Oh my god. Um, and two months after Shell's murder, eyewitnesses had stated that they had seen her walking with a young man the evening that she disappeared. Oof. And they both believed this man to be um, a guy named John Collins. Hmm. And he actually bore a striking resemblance to the driver of the car that Colby had seen. And so he was brought in for questioning. Um, but he actually provided an alibi for that weekend, saying he was visiting his mom in Detroit. And then he didn't return to Ipsy until July 1st. That seems convenient. I um, <laughs> shocking. I know. Police found him personable and calm and never verified his alibi. Oh, I mean, yeah, that checks out. I mean, yeah. completely understandable. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I do when I meet a charming young man. Yeah, exactly. Just believe everything he says. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, victim number three, Jane Mixer. Uh, she disappeared March 20th of 1969 after posting on a college bulletin board that she was looking for a ride to her hometown of Muskegon. Ooh. Um, she was twenty, a 23-year-old at the University of Michigan. Uh, her body was found lying across a grave, fully what? clothed, um, and covered by her raincoat, Ooh. with a copy of Catch-22 next to her. Oh, that's weird. And the article didn't say if it was, like, they determined if it was her copy or, like, if, you know, if it belonged to her or anything or if it was just, like, randomly placed there by the killer. I don't, I don't like know. it. Um, but, yeah, just kind of eerie. Um, but it was revealed that she was shot twice in the head with a twenty two caliber pistol. Then grated with a nylon stocking that didn't belong to her. What? Um, she was sexually assaulted. Ooh. Determined that she was killed on the on March twenty first at three a.m. and then moved to the cemetery. What? Um, dis- despite some details being somewhat different, um, given the suspected intention of rape, uh, her student status, tying the nylon around her neck, and the proximity to the other murders, they mm-hmm. believed. Um, this one to also be committed by the same person as Shell and Fel- Felser. Yeah. Do you uh, ever think about us? <laughs> this is going to sound really morbid. How much easier it was to get away with murder? Oh, back yeah. in the sixties. I mean, and like, what? Like, did you, did you even try? Did you even try to get away with it at that point? You're yeah. just like, here's a body. You walk. You could walk into the cops at the time. And be like, here's a body I found, well, and they'd be like, oh, that checks was, out. Most people, yeah. Didn't get caught. That's why we. That's like, why we didn't find the Golden State Killer until like last year. It's just weird because you think like, yeah, it makes sense in like the 1800s why they're like, well, have well, no idea. It's just crazy to think that DNA. Oh, we can is still so catch new. them. Yeah, because like back in the 60s, like in the 60s, they didn't have DNA evidence. So yeah, it's just, they actually didn't even have. They didn't like keep a lot of things either. Yeah. I just feel like in the 60s they could be like, yeah, I saw a white guy. Who looked exactly like this, and the cops would be like, Well, there's no way to know it was this person yeah. that looks exactly oh, yeah. like just that. And you're like, it. No, like, we're pretty, oh god. Just wait for it. God, it's just like, you, I feel like you have to try to get caught in the 60s. Right. So, victim number four, Marilyn Skelton. She was a 16 year old high school student, Ooh. and she disappeared while hitchhiking in Ann Arbor. 
And she was last seen alive outside a drive-in restaurant on the same street that Shell was last oh my seen God. on. Um, her body was, her body was found four days after mixers on March 25th, um, by a surveyor behind some vacant houses, uh, only a few hundred yards from where Shell's body was discovered eight Mm. months prior. Investigator described the injuries inflicted on Skelton as the worst he'd ever seen. And I think like his 30 year career. Oh my God. Um, numerous fractures to the skull. She was excessively beaten and tortured. Uh, the killer stuffed a piece of her shirt into her trachea, tied a garter belt around her neck. She had deep lacerations on her body that were believed to be caused by flogging with a leather strap. Um, and then this is like, I mean, this is all terrible, but this is the worst of it. And a stick was broken off a nearby tree and shoved inside her vagina. Oh, that's so sad. I know. And it was believed by many to actually be drug-related because um, apparently she was, like, a known drug addict. Um, but given the nature of the crime and the simul- similarities, the police chief... I'll say that seems pretty violent for a drug-related crime. Right, Usually exactly. It's just, like, murder. Or, or just, like, like a, a few Yeah, like, yeah. it's usually not that, like, intimate of a right. crime. Um, police Chief Walter Krasny linked the murder to the other three and pushed for the formation of a task force. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but when I hear task force, I immediately dismiss it. I know task force do, like, a lot of good, and they've caught a lot of yeah. people and stuff, but, like, it's just it's when like, you hear task force, you're like, I just think of people like my mom, they're like, we're gonna catch them! Yeah. We're gonna get mom's gonna be mad. I well, this that, is, like, but, legitimate. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, this is, like... Oh, like, police officers? Yeah. <laughs> I just... The light. Well, he it was the police chief who suggested the. Oh yeah, see, I just imagine like a uh, bunch of concerned parents getting together. Yes, <laughs> like no, the PCA so... out there searching for the freaking co-ed killer of Michigan. So they had like five separate district or jurisdictions. So they combined their resources, um, and by April, each of the agencies had collectively assigned twenty investigators to work exclusively on the case. Oh, wow. However, um, there was like very little physical evidence. Um, but some of the common denominators between all of the murders include they were brunette white girls. All but Mixer had been beaten with a blunt or bladed object. Oh, yeah. um, she was the first one, right? No, she wasn't. Never mind. Um, they were found different. within 15 mile radius of Washtenaw County. All except Mixer, Mixer, sorry, all except Mixer had um, a knife wound to the neck. All had an article of clothing tied around their neck. And this one was very strange. Um, they were all menstruating at the time, which will be important later. Also, how do you know? How, you're like, you have to stalk people for a pretty long time. Or like, Also, I feel like a lot of the time, this is not really, I feel like a lot of men that have MLs of killing like young girls, it's mm-hmm. always brunettes. Yeah. What is that? I've what always is... been thankful that I'm blonde. Thank God I'm reason. pretty and blonde and not pretty and brunette. <laughs> <laughs> but what is that? Like, what is about that? I don't know, but it was like, always I love like, those brunettes. Yeah, like, <laughs> weirdos. Good thing I'm ugly and, and Good thing I'm fat and ugly or else I'd be murdered. <laughs> I mean, there are good reasons for those things, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But not too fat. It might make you some sad. some people that like... To kill overweight people. That's true. So Everyone's got their own thing. They've got to be on a healthy medium yeah. of fat and skinny yeah. and pretty and ugly. And you got to be like... Because if you're too ugly, there might become a serial killer that just kills <laughs> ugly people because they're like, I'm sick of ugly people. Type. Yeah. You never know. You so got to like, be right in the middle. You just got to be normal in all accounts. 
dye your hair every three weeks. Just now, like, safe. after reading this to him, like, glad I'm, like, older than... I'm, like, glad I'm almost I'm 25. Thank I'm, like, God okay. I'm old now. Yeah. My men's standards are all... Like, no like, one is going to want me. <laughs> men are going to take one look at me and be like, that old bitch deserves to be in a oh, freaking yeah. nursing home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so victim number five was Don Basum. Okay, she was a 13-year-old last seen alive. 13? Yes. Oh, my God. Last seen alive at 7.30 p.m. the night before, walking home from her friend's house. Uh, her body was found April 16th wearing a white blouse and wearing only a white blouse and a bra with the bra pushed up around her neck. Oh. Um, she'd been repeatedly stabbed and strangled. A handkerchief was shoved down her throat. And her an orange sweater that belonged to her was found in a deserted farmhouse a hundred yards from her body. Ew. Glass inside the basement of that house was consistent with those that were found in the soles of her shoes. And along with like a few other pieces of evidence this helped police determine that this was the murder location, was likely the location of the yeah. murder. And there was an earring found that was later t- was later determined to be that of Marilyn Skelton. What? Yeah. Uh, and it looked like it had been deliberately placed there Ooh. and then further linked the crimes. They had already suspected, but this, You know like, he's cocky yeah, at that point. Or he's like... <laughs> right. But on May 13th, the farmhouse was destroyed in an act of arson. And five clipped lilacs were placed in line across the driveway... Investigators believe this to be a message for the murderer to symbolize each victim. I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. So, victim number six, Alice Callum. She was a 21-year-old U of M student, and she disappeared shortly after midnight on June 8th. She was last seen walking towards her apartment after leaving a friend's party. Her body was found June 9th by three teens near the burned-down farmhouse. There were... Several dried blood stains and two buttons missing from her raincoat that were found in a gravel pit, indicating that this was the location of her murder. Multiple, she had multiple stab wounds. She was shot in the head. Her neck was slashed, um, and it was actually so deep that it severed her spine. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, That's intense. She uh, had been raped. Mm-hmm. And her clothing had been scattered around her body, minus mm. one shoe that was never found. <laughs> I'm nightmares about this shit now. Yeah, no, it's so bad. I've been sleeping just fine <laughs> once we stopped. I know, I was thinking that. I was like, oh, it's gonna be here. <laughs> I literally haven't had any spooks in my life since we stopped. Okay, so um, victim number seven was Karen Beneman. Um, she was an 18-year-old EMU student who was last seen on July 23rd in 1969 by her roommate when she didn't show up to their room after curfew. Uh, curfew? I mean, if they were in, like, a honors dorm or fraternity so or oh, sorority yeah, or something, they have curfews. Um, so three days later, her body was found in a wooded gully. Mm-hmm. She'd it's been a gully. You know... It's a good question. I feel like it's like a swampy area. It's kind of G-U-L-L-Y. Oh my god! Ferngully. <laughs> it's a waterborne ravine. That was close. Yeah. Have you ever seen Ferngully? Yeah. I used to watch it a lot. That movie's iconic. If you guys haven't seen Ferngully, <laughs> find it. Watch it. I love that movie. Isn't it Robin Williams? Play that weird ass bat thing? 
I can't remember. But probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's like all of our childhood. I love it. Characters. Some people have never seen it. Oh yeah, Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah. So she had been extensively beaten. Um, she had lacerations all over her body, skull fractures, and brain injuries that were likely caused by a blunt instrument. Parts of her body were burned by a caustic agent that she was then forced to drink. Oh my god. And a section of clothing was also placed inside her throat. Mm. Um, It's worse when you know that they're alive for all this. Yeah. Like, it's not good either way, but once you, like, know that they're alive, it's just even more heartbreaking. And this is just, like, ugh. I don't know. It's like, I've obviously heard all kinds of serial killer stories, but I'm like, this guy was just brutal. brutal. Like... It's like he took everything he's ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah. So she was also raped and her torn underwear were actually placed inside her. Um, And inside the underwear, they found semen and blonde hair clippings. Oh. Like actual clippings? Mm -hmm. That's weird. Um, uh, unsettling and weird. Very unsettling. Um, thinking that the killer would again attempt to return to the location of the crime. Very smart by the police. Because at this point, I'm like, how the hell have we not, have we not like figured this out? Yeah. Now? Um, so they enforced a media blackout. Basically didn't let them know, anyone know that they found the body. Oh. Um, and they replaced the body with a mannequin. And then observed from afar. That is smart. They actually got criticized a lot for it. But I thought, like... Why? I didn't look into it, but the guy was just saying that, like... I don't know. He said people had, like, talked negatively about it and whatnot. I'm, and I'm so, like... Why? Because they're staging it for murder? I don't... I don't know. I, what, do you, what would you prefer? That he killed more yeah, innocent exactly, people? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I wish they would have done it after the first victim. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this was the only one that they, like, well, I guess no, because, like, either way, he probably came back to all the locations. Well, he came to the first person three times. No, I know, but I'm saying, like... Unless someone else just decided to move the body. Well, at first I was thinking, like, hers because of where it was found, but then I realized, I was thinking this was the one with the farmhouse, but it's not. Oh, yeah. It was all just, like, he always returned, so they could have done this probably after the first one. So... Monitored the area, and an officer witnessed a man with dark hair running from the gully at 2 a.m. during a heavy rainstorm, which I'm like, that's literally the only information that it gave. So I'm like, did you not see him, like, run into yeah. the gully? And, and then why did no one chase him <laughs> afterwards? It's like, yep, we got him. We know we saw a guy. But it's like, you didn't actually do anything, honestly. So maybe that's the part they were criticized for. Oh, probably. So you set all this up, <laughs> and then you didn't do anything. So basically, you just screwed it up. You right. can't do it again. Right. Um, and Karen was actually, she was on her way to the wig shop when she had, like, left her apartment or mm-hmm. dorm or whatever with her roommate. And the store clerks from the wig shop um, said that when she, like, around when she had disappeared, they recalled her saying... I've got to be either the bravest or the dumbest girl alive because I've just accepted a ride from this guy. Oh, God. And then she proceeded to climb into the back, onto the back of a motorcycle with a dark-haired boy. 
So now this is like, I thought at this point, I was like, this is weird because now it's three different cars because yeah. it started with like the blue gray car the twice. Nobet, the Pontiac Bonneville. Then the Pontiac Bonneville and then the motorcycles. I'm yeah. like, weird. But this guy's rich. Always this like dark haired boy. He's just like stealing people's cars the yeah. whole time. Um, and again, their description fit the description of this John Collins, who a uh, patrolman had actually seen riding a similar bike at the time. Oh as my well. god! Do you ever just get so frustrated? You're like, how can we not just right. go? It's him, right? Like, because you can't, you can't, can't do that. But you're yeah, like, it has it, to be right. him. I can just. I, that's why I couldn't be a detective. No, I would go so, so many cases. I'd be like, it's him, you guys. Right. Like, it's dumb now. Um, so this is, they're going to listen to this podcast and decide we can never be on a jury. <laughs> He's guilty. Sorry. Guilty. Um, taking photos of Collins to the wig shop, they actually, they did confirm that that was Good. the same man that they had seen. I mean, it's not concrete evidence he did it, but he right. did it. But still. Uh, if this is a twist where you're like, it wasn't John Collins. So pissed. Is I'm it not? Okay, just wait. Okay. Oh my gosh. So now, uh, I'll just... This isn't the twist episode, McKaylee. <laughs> now I'll give you some information about the suspect. Uh... John Collins. Yeah. Okay. So, John Collins was, like, a motorcycle enthusiast. He owned several bikes, including one that fit the description of the one related to the crime. So why didn't he just drive his different motorcycles? Why did he use his cars? Uh, beats me. Okay. Um, he was enrolled in elementary education at EMU. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is why people don't trust male teachers. And he actually had a reputation of being a thief amongst his peers, and he was even <laughs> evicted from his fraternity for stealing from a roommate. What's this, like, how extensive is this thievery? Like, he stole my pencil a couple times, or, like, uh, he it robbed really me of a $1,000? Specifically. Okay. They were always items. I don't think okay. it was money. And... Like, a lot of, like, they said that women that didn't really know him very well, like, would say that he was charming and, like, he was always nice to them. But then women that knew him a little bit better always described him as aggressive, short-tempered, and violent. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was even accused of raping a woman who had resisted his advances. (gasps) And several women said that he would become enraged when he'd learn that women were menstruating. (laughs) The only one that deserves to be angry is the one menstruating. (laughs) But that's just, like, tying it back to Yeah, that's weird. And, like, there was one girl who described, like, they had gone back to her place and they were kind of, like, getting intimate. And she um, kind of stopped him. And he was like, why'd you stop me? Is it because you're on your period? And she was like, yeah. And he's like, that's disgusting. And left. My question is, I guess that goes... I, it makes you kind of wonder how many people would have been victims if they were menstruating. Like, I don't I don't know if that was, like, necessarily, like... Like, did he attack women and then just, if they were menstruating, just lose his shit? I don't really... I mean, they didn't really, like, give any detail to that. Because if he like, was already accused of sexual assault, maybe... He told a oh. woman once that, like, he could smell it. Like, she was like, how did you know? And he's like, I could smell it. Which is just, like, creepy and disgusting and weird and i don't know i don't know the whole and you'll see why okay so coworkers had said he took delight in describing details of each victim of the michigan murders of which he said that uh were shared with him by his uncle david like who is a police sergeant um but he actually denied ever even telling him so the fact that he like knew these details was kind of incriminating in and of itself (laughs) Because they were never shared with the public. 
And investigators were able to determine that he was acquainted with or knew most of the victims. Um, not, like, directly. Most of them were, like, weird happenstance or, like, he lived across or his roommate yeah. or his old roommate lived across the road. For, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I always, I just feel like if you're going to kill people, it should be random. Don't have an MO. Don't have a type. Yeah. Just go for it. Like an opportunist. And it feels like every single serial killer has like baggage associated with it. Right. And then you get those one guys that are just like, eh, nip, I just like to murder. Yeah, I just like and to I kill. feel like those are the ones that don't get caught. Yeah. Like, just kill. I'm not saying kill. Don't kill people. Yeah. If you're gonna kill, be smart about it. Right. But don't kill, because that's just wrong. Yeah. And you're an asshole and you're gonna be very wrong. So on July 27th, the police arrived at his apartment in an attempt to get him to take a polygraph test. Uh, he refused, but insisted that he was innocent. Later, his roommate said that he had witnessed him getting rid of a box of random objects, of which included a shoe. <laughs> Colin's <laughs> uncle, David Like, had been on vacation when Benjamin victim number seven had disappeared. Uh, Collins was actually dog-sitting for him. And when Lyke had returned home, he found bloodstains in the basement as well oh as God. blonde hair clippings, um, <laughs> saying that his wife had cut the kid's hair before they had left. And the blood that was found in the basement was type A, which was the same as Karen's, and the hairs matched the mm. ones found in Benjamin's underwear. And neighbors of Lyke's had also even recalled hearing muffled screams coming from the house during that time. <laughs> So all very, very sus, you know? The chef! Um, and on August 1st, 1969, Collins was formally arraigned for the murder of Benjamin. Good. Um, but here come... No. But not good news? This leads us to oh. <laughs> victim number eight. Oh, God. Um, so around the same time, investigators were contacted by counterparts in Salinas, California. They believed that a Michigan individual with the name John was responsible for the June 30th death of a 17-year-old named Roxy Phillips. Oh my, what? She told close friends that she'd been acquainted with an EMU student named John with a gray-blue car um, who was temporarily living with a friend in a camper trailer. She had also described him as John from Michigan. That's all she knew about him and that he had dark hair and was went to EMU and he wanted to be a teacher, I guess he had told her. So, pretty clear right there. I wonder it's... who it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but, after tracing Collins' movements, they discovered that on June 21st, he traveled to Monterey, somewhere in California, <laughs> with his old roommate, while Shut they up. had towed a camper trailer that they'd rented under fake names. Shut up. Phillips' body was found in a ravine on July 13th, with a belt knotted around her neck. She was missing an earring, and her <gasps> possessions were found strewn along the state route, route 68. The trailer was eventually found in Salinas County behind his old roommate's grandpa's house. Oh my god. Um, but it had been wiped clean. Still, it's convenient. <laughs> right. Um, this happened to be there. Ugh. And they looked at a lot of, you know, the evidence, and they were able to, like, definitively link this one to the Michigan Weird. murders. Uh, <laughs> Wild. And they had determined at the time, too, that the old roommate had no knowledge of the murders. So why did he rent the thing under a false name? 
Like, why did he uh, go along with this? It was something they just wanted to, like, go on a trip, and then they rented the trailer, and then I think they actually did steal some things or something like that. So I think that was the reason for the fake names. Uh, but he didn't know about the murders. That seems weird to me. Like, I've been on road trips with people. If I was just in, like, California with someone, like... Well, his grandpa did... lived out there. Oh, so... oh, yeah. I was like, how did he have enough time to, like, murder someone? They went realize? out there, and they, I think it was, like... Well, I don't know why they would have left the trailer that they rented <laughs> in his backyard, and why that wouldn't have been suspicious to the friend. Yeah, it just seems um, all around suspicious. But they ended up... Like, why like... wasn't the grandpa, like, um... Were you guys going to come take your camper bag? Well, yeah, and like... the weirdest thing is they found the old roommate in Arizona. <gasps> Like, a lot. Oh, he was, just, like, he was just, like, staying in Arizona. That's and, like, so John had weird. came back to Michigan. So it was just, like, a weird... But they still, like... I don't know. They said that he had no involvement. I um, don't like that. So in April of 1970, he was officially indicted for the murder of Roxy. And in June, the trial for Veneman began. There were 47 witnesses on behalf of the prosecution and only five on behalf of the defense. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and on August 19th of that same year, uh, he unanimously was found guilty <laughs> and sentenced to life with hard labor in solitary Ooh. confinement Yikes. and without the possibility of parole Good. at a southern Michigan prison. Before the judge imposed his sentence, he gave Collins a chance to address the court. And Collins said, I have two things to say. I think they... Consciously tried to give me a fair trial. The jury did not take its task lightly, but I think things were blown out of proportion. The circumstances surrounding this case prevented me from getting a fair trial. It was a travesty of justice that took place in this courtroom. I hope someday it will be corrected. Second, I never knew a girl named Karen Sue Benneman. I never had a conversation with her. I never took her to a wig shop. I never took her to my uncle's home. I never took her life. Isn't that just, like, weird and eerie? Yeah, like... Ugh. You know. You're guilty! Right. That made me in the court. <laughs> they have me removed. <laughs> you're guilty! Um, ma'am, you're supposed to be quiet in the car. <laughs> I will not be silent! But literally when you're, like, uncle that's a police sergeant, like... Is, like, you're guilty? Yeah. Like, yeah. honestly, the blonde hair clippings is the... It's unsettling. Yeah, and his uncle was, like, out of town. Yeah, so it's not like his uncle was yeah. doing it. Because so, I was like, what if his uncle did this the whole yeah. time and just pinned it on him? Wouldn't that be wild? Like, yeah, his uncle was on vacation, like, with his yeah. wife. Like, he has an alibi. And then, all of a sudden, <laughs> blonde hair clippings that are in the basement of the house that you're staying at when this girl goes missing end up yeah. in her... Someone went through an, a underwear. lot of effort to frame you, if that's the case. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it's weird. On January 1972, so a couple years later, California authorities waived all extradition proceedings for Roxy's murder. Um, and their reason being was like he was already serving a life sentence and he would be returned to Michigan anyway. So they didn't really feel it necessary to like pursue Still it. Still get closure for that um, family. So he was never tried for Flesser, Shell, Skelton, Bossom, Cullum, or Phillips. So seven of the murders. Yes, seven of the eight murders he was not even tried for. So about five years later, in October of 1977, he was moved to the Marquette Branch Prison 
due to um, dealings with drugs and conspiring to escape several times. Um, And in 1981, he requested a transfer to a Canadian prison because he is actually, he was born in Canada, so he holds dual citizenship. And under Canadian law, he would have at the time been eligible for release after serving nine years of his sentence. Shut up. They didn't let him, did they? Um, It was initially approved. What? But it was reversed after public outrage. I was going to say, I hope California sues his ass at that point. Yeah. In July 11th of 2005, um, 62-year-old former nurse Gary Letterman was charged with the murder of Jane Mixer after evidence discovered when the case was reopened in 2001. Wait, so someone else committed that murder? Yeah. So how do they know that he didn't commit the other ones? They don't. Oh, I don't like that. No, sorry. You mean how they don't know this Gary guy? Yeah. One of the other ones? Because he didn't. Like, Mixer was the one whose... Hers was different, but because of the proximity and her being a young student, they just assumed that she was. But, like, she didn't... She wasn't beaten with things like the other ones. Oh, yeah. She wasn't... There was, like, several things that she weren't the same. Yeah. Also, if you're going to murder someone and be a serial killer, mix it up every time. Yeah. Don't do the same thing. I mean, he really, I mean, he had like a couple of the same MOs, but like he really, he did it all. He did it all, but I'm saying each one specifically different things. Yeah. Um, and what was I going to say? I think with Mixer, so like pretty much every other one, they had some evidence of a white, brown haired boy yeah. with this color car, like a yeah. lot more evidence that pointed to him where mixer it was just kind of i think she was the one she was the one whose body was found in the cemetery oh yeah if i remember correctly yeah but that doesn't explain the lilacs then right so that was just a weird that's so unsettling uh, but yeah so mixer was the one found in the cemetery with the catch-22 next to her so like did they ever find out what that was about she was shot twice in the head which i think one other victim was shot yeah but, so basically like yeah he was charged for that one nobody was tried for the other six and collins is currently still serving a life sentence and continues to maintain his innocence oh oh my god i'm so, i'm sorry okay obviously i can't definitively say he did it But he did it. Isn't that so frustrating, though? Because you think about it, and, like, even, like, a lot of Ted Bundy's murders, like, I still don't think they had physical evidence to say 100%. Yeah. But it's, like, dude. Because even with that one, wasn't it even with the ones with the um, sorority girls? It was just, like, his teeth. His teeth is how they got it, yeah. But, like. But he had jank-ass teeth. There was, like, no one else that could have that. But other people could have, like, jank-ass teeth, too. I'm just saying there's no, like. I think definitive like DNA evidence. But didn't he admit to it? Did Ted Bundy ever admit to one of the crimes? I don't think I can't so remember. because I remember at least with his girlfriend with Liz. Yeah, Liz. I want to say he like maintained his oh. innocence. Uh, see, my thing is like I can understand. Okay, it does. Why it, it just I frustrates me yeah. with a lot of those like older crimes because we really you you never know. And this you guy, like, I would one hundred percent say that he like committed all of those murders that they've said that he committed but at the same time it's like just weird thinking that like 
there's like you, a chance that someone else was like, I yeah. didn't get caught and I'm not going to, like the Golden State just stopped yeah. at that point. Right. And that, well, the thing they said with this is they're like, funny how he like maintains his innocence, but suddenly all the murders stopped in our area Yeah, when he was gone. Like, but it could be that very much be that like, like, look at Ed Kemper. Like he literally killed his mom and then he was like, I didn't want to kill anymore. Yeah. That's why he turned himself in. He's like, I didn't feel the need to do it anymore. Right. So it's like, those could have just stopped. It could have been anybody convicted of the crime mm-hmm. at that point. I think what frustrates me is like, I can, okay, I don't, I don't like approve of it. I don't mm. know the right word. I don't, I'm not, I don't think it's okay. But it's states so with like, like, yeah, condone, condone, that's the word. Mm-hmm. Like states with the death penalty, why I can see why someone's like, they would be like, I maintain my innocence. You can't get death penalty in Michigan. Yeah. So like at that point, what's it, you're already convicted of the crime. Everyone thinks you did it. Right. If so you just fucking like, did it, say you did it. You're not eligible for parole. It's not like you're yeah. ever going to get it's out. It's not like they're going to suddenly be like, hmm, oh, he's guilt. He admitted his guilt. Let's transfer him to Canada. Like, right. It's not going to happen. Just, so it's like at that point, it's like, I don't understand. Like, does he, is he just going to say I'm, I'm innocent just does to go down saying he's innocent or yeah, does he actually he innocent at that point? Does he just think that like he there's a I mean, chance it's like, it's like you've gonna already out. like ruined your reputation I yeah. guess that's what I'm like nobody's gonna you're not gonna get out and everyone's gonna be like oh are you that John Collins that murdered a bunch of people and he's like no I didn't murder them like right. it's like you have to like it's it's still you're associated with that crime. right and yeah. it was just kind of a weird situation because you know how like there's always a reason behind it um and this article didn't really give any detail to that but one video that I was watching said that his dad left when he was really young his mom actually became like a prostitute and so they think uh-huh. that like he might have like caught his mom with someone and then that kind of started but i still the understand rage. the period thing is it just because like it's that much more solidified that that's a, a woman to a you weirdo, he's honestly. just a friggin' weirdo or just a coincidence <laughs> and didn't really he just doesn't like the smell and then he just happened to murder <laughs> that's how he narrowed it down he's yeah. like you smell like you're on your period mm-hmm Imagine saying that to someone, though, just casually. You smell like you yeah. period. Well, that was a story. <laughs> yeah. Unsettling story. It's a weird I, one. And it's, it's weird just, how many, like, serial killers that we had that I just didn't even think about. Well, I guess, like, for me, too, it's, like, I thought that I knew all the prolific serial killers out there, like, the big ones, yeah. anyway. And it's, like, this guy, this guy, like, they describe him as Ted Bundy before Ted Bundy was Ted Bundy, basically. Like... Ooh. He was doing all the same things. He you just got caught sooner, basically, is what happened. Yeah. But not even, really, because he was only convicted of one murder. Yeah, but didn't Ted kill, like, 30 women or something, I think? Yeah. yeah. Well, allegedly, but allegedly. he wasn't charged yeah. Yeah. with... I mean, if you can get him on one, they're like, let's just get him in prison. Well, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, mine aren't any more positive. <laughs> um, so let's just get into some more Michigan murders, how about... I know we've talked about this, but the Goodhart murders. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I think so. Ready as I'll ever be. It's also known as the Robison, Robison, Robison family murders, and it's the murder of Richard, Shirley, and their four kids: Richie, who was nineteen; Gary, who was sixteen; Randy, who was twelve; and Susan, who was seven. And they were married in June of nineteen sixty-eight. So, wow, we picked like right around the same time. Yeah, times, we'll get too. ready. All right, so. In that June of 1968, uh, the Robinson family, Robinson family, I don't really know. It's not, it's like Robinson, but without the N. So Robinson, is that what we say? Robinson? 
They were vacationing near the Straits of Michigan at their Lake Michigan cottage near Goodhart. And on, so the last like time that they were seen alive was on June 25th, a local man had given the family some tree trimmings mm-hmm. near their property. So on the- Just mo- to like I don't know give them tree trimmings? I think, I don't know if it was for like fire or something. Oh, I, like, I got these tree trimmings. <laughs> You'll want some, and Richie and his dad were like, hell yeah, we do, sure. Richie and Richard. Um, so the morning of, so this is, I believe it was the 25th. So the same day on the morning of the crime, they, Richard found, so the father, Richard found out that there was money missing from his account. So he called to speak with Joseph Scalero, the third, who was watching his businesses at the time while he was on vacation. Um, and they, they say that they had a shouting match. Like people heard this over the phone and Mm -hmm. then Scalero, left the business at 10.30 a.m. He wasn't seen again until 11 p.m. And his wife said it was the first time in their six years of marriage that he hadn't called or been at home in time for dinner. So kind of weird. Yeah, a little sus. Yeah. On July 22nd, so almost a month later, someone nearby complained that there was a strange odor coming from their cabin. Hmm. So the caretaker, Chauncey... (laughs) I just love that. I love that. Chauncey. Just like seems like such a caretaker name. Um, So Chauncey went to check on things and he found that the doors were locked. And I heard two different things like either he had keys or he didn't have keys. So either just open the door or he had to like pry open the molding of the door Hmm. to get in because nobody was responding when he was like knocking and asking what was going on. So open the door and he saw Shirley Robinson laying on her stomach with a blanket covering her from her knees up. So just like the bottom of her legs Hmm. were exposed. So he immediately called the police. He was like, you guys, something's wrong. He didn't, like, see if she was just sleeping. <laughs> it smells like decaying bodies. Yo, sure. You, you sleep. She's just laying on the floor, though, with a blanket on her. I, mean, I think it was with, like, the fact that no one responded. No one had heard from in a month. And it smelled really weird. Yes. So he called the police. They found Shirley had been shot in the head once. Mm. Richard was found laying over the hot air register. He'd been shot in the head and the chest. He also Ew, had skull. Great. Laying over the hot air register. Yeah, that probably, probably didn't help with the smell. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they didn't have the heat on. It was been, I guess Michigan's never been that warm in the summer <laughs> recently. Um, he also had skull fractures and evidence of blunt force trauma. Richie was found partially in the hall, partially in the bedroom, and he had multiple gunshot wounds to his head. Mm. Gary was lying on his back along the wall of the bedroom. Two gunshots were, he had two gunshots to the head and he was shot in the back once. Randall was laying on top of his father. There was a rug covering him from his shoulders to the top of his legs and he had been shot in the head. And Susan was lying on her back in the hall. She'd been shot in the face and she had skull fractures from a claw hammer. Why cover some of them? They don't know. They it think strange to me because I get like if you covered all of them, yeah, like in remorse. I think or they think that. So I think I don't know. Like they didn't say anything about Randall, but they said for surely that they want. They, they think that was done to kind of pose it as like a sexual assault mm. motivated type of crime, but that doesn't explain Randall, right? But so like they really don't know. So obviously the bodies had not been discovered for twenty seven days after the murder. As I said, it's been a while. Um, there was such advanced decompo- decomposition of the bodies that they didn't even take them to the morgue for autopsies. <gasps> they took them to like a field or something because it was so bad. Like they couldn't like figure out. Oh, wow. Um, so I have a picture to kind of show you where everyone was at within the house. 
I like to show you. It's just like kind of weird. Oh, like, yeah, it, that is weird. Like it, like it doesn't sound as weird, but um, we'll post it, you guys. It's kind of just like a weird, like they weren't really positioned that way though. That's just like kind of where they died. So they found that the killer had shot Richard and one of the boys and then chased the others down one by one through the house. So like they were oh. running is what was happening. Creepy. Um, so the killer closed the curtains, locked the front door. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Turned up the heat. So above the heat so register is probably, yeah. Um, and then he tried to cover the window bullet holes, like the bullet holes to the window with cardboard. I don't know why it smells better. Right? Like you're not locking anything in. I don't know if it was so people couldn't look in, but right. the curtains were already drawn. So it was just kind of weird. You're, like maybe he just didn't want them to be found for a while. And yeah. he thought that like a bullet, hole might, a bullet hole might look a little suspicious. But then again, wouldn't a bullet hole the cardboard behind it look suspicious? Well, yeah, but maybe from afar you wouldn't be able to tell yeah, as much if the light true. isn't like there coming through. Um, so they also found the bloody claw hammer and a set of footprints on the floor. Hmm. Um, they also found one suitcase that was partially packed. And what was really weird about that is the family had been telling people that they were planning a trip to California. So they're like, if you're supposed to be leaving for California shortly, why do you have half of one suitcase partially right. packed? I mean, unless they're like me and it's like the night before. <laughs> the night, you're like, like oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so locals said that the night of the murder, they actually had heard shouting and gunshots from the property. But they kind of just assumed that, like, one of the kids was shooting seagulls Again on the beach. Again with these neighbors, man. <laughs> but, like, it's so funny because, like, I like I totally would be like, eh, is it really, is it really, like, something going on? Yeah, but that's, like, the bystander effect right I there. know. It's a real thing. I know it's based on lies, but it's true. But, like, they said, they're like, we just kind of thought, like, one of the kids was out there shooting seagulls and everyone was, like, laughing. Which is something that would totally happen in northern Michigan. Be like, what are you guys doing? And they'd be, like, out there shooting seagulls. I don't know that it's, uh... Okay, it's it's not not legal. It's not legal. But I could totally see a bunch of dumbasses out there, like, shooting guns on the beach and, like, laughing and, like, running and whatever. Dumb things like that. I think at that point I would... Yeah, Plus I get this was like the I get what you're saying, so. but I feel like at that point I would still be like, you know, police, there's a kid out here shooting seagulls in my backyard. Like, can you? It, I also think in the 60s it was Chicago? probably like your first thought was like, crime. Yeah, like you're probably like, Pff. um, except for it should have been uh, because it's when it's when it was happening. I know they're probably like, ah, oh, Jim, Jim, Jimbo's out there again with yeah. this shotgun. So, um, <laughs> their investigation began on July 22nd, 1968. And in the second week is when they started to suspect Scalero. One of the reasons for that was, you know, obviously the shouting match. Yeah. But also he was one of the few people that had actually been to the cabin before. Oh. And the cabin was like in a really secluded area. Like mm-hmm. they say like a lot of people didn't even know how to get there. Mm-hmm. But he did. Um, they also say because he hadn't been, no one had heard from him for 12 hours on the day of the murder. Some people say it's more than enough time to drive from the businesses up there. Kill yeah. people and come back. Other people say it's not. So it really depends, I guess, yeah. on traffic. Yeah, but you definitely don't have an alibi if yeah. no one has heard from you. So yeah, all little... of his alibis were invalid. They proved all of them were false. Hmm. He had also purchased both of the weapons that the police had determined okay. had been used. Two of the guns. This guy's already guilty yeah. in my mind. <laughs> He's guilty. They also confirmed after testing that the missing twenty-two shells were exact matches to those found at the scene. Scalero claimed that he had given the gun away. He had given both guns away to Richard. He said he gave one of his guns to Richard. Hmm. The other one, he doesn't know who he gave it to. I mean, in a way, that's kind of smart. Because, like... 
He could, oh, like, I someone gave it to Richard. Stole so it someone probably it. Yeah. was at his house. And got, but then yeah. he said the other one, he, he doesn't, he doesn't know what happened I would have just said I gave them both to Richard. A neighbor said he'd seen the gun in Scalero's house prior to the murder. Oh. Like, basically, he's like, no, he still had the gun when this was committed. Oh, they also found several um, twenty-five caliber cartridges mm-hmm. that matched the pistol that he supposedly gave to Richard on the property. The cartridges, though, were like a rare finish that were only sold for a few weeks in Michigan earlier that year. And they had documentation that Scalero had purchased those, which he oh claimed to have given to Robinson when he gave him the gun. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, during the investigation, they found... At $60,000, which today would be $455,000, had been um, found missing from Richard Robinson Robinson's business mm-hmm. after Scalaro started working there. Yeah, it was only after he had been hired, money started vanishing. Scalaro also believed that a $200,000, or about $1.5 million today, life insurance policy had been taken out on Richard that he would get money from. But it hadn't actually gone into effect yet. He Ooh. didn't know that, though. Mm-hmm. He thought it was in effect already. Um, he failed two lie detectors tests. And the third one was judged inconclusive. Obviously, like, we know lie detector right. tests aren't accurate. But, but he also... Still. Yeah, still. He also tried to deceive the interviewers in pre-test interviews. Like, he also tried to lie during those. And they're like, we know you're lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if he was I trying to make, make it so the results right. weren't accurate when they did the lie detector. They're oh, like, yeah. I don't know if he's like, my name is... My name is George Sclero. And they're like, could you, could you say you're real? Right, maybe, yeah, he was just trying to throw yeah. it, like, way off. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, in January of 1970, they decided not to charge Sclero because the weapons were missing mm-hmm. and they didn't have any fingerprints. Despite the fact that they found that the bloody footprints matched a pair of shoes that Scalero owned. Oh, my but God. But they had been cleaned, so they couldn't say couldn't it was say him. it was for sure. It's just like you just get so mad. There's just like, so many little it has, things yeah. that you're like, it has to be him. It's like the exact same <laughs> with my story. Oh god. It's like they set you up to believe it and then they're like, but it's not right. him. Uh so three years after this, uh a new chief prosecutor was elected and he reopened the case. So they decided to charge him for the murders. They say that he didn't know about this. Like they say they didn't publicize it, but they think that he found out somehow. When he learned that they had reopened the case and that they were pinning on him, he committed suicide on March 8th, 1973. Oh, what a bastard. What he, he left a typewritten note that said, I am a liar, a cheat, and a phony, and included a list of all the people he had swindled before. And then in a handwritten note at the bottom of the paper, he wrote to his mother, I had nothing to do with the Robinsons. I'm a liar, but not a murderer. I'm sick and scared. Weird. God and everybody, please forgive me. Which, like... I don't know if he was doing that to be like, I don't want my mother to think I was a murderer. Which I don't know if he's just like, I don't really care if other people, just not my mom. But at the same time, it's like, why leave the note? Right. It just seems like the handwritten part is what gets me. Like, I can see if he just typed it on. It wasn't me. Right. Um, So, because Michigan does not permit open murder cases, the case was closed as him as the main suspect. But technically, they they can't definitively say he did it. Um, And then, although... We are pretty sure. I can definitively say I believe it was I'm going to say I am 98.9% sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard the rest of the story, but... That's mostly the story. I'm just going to tell you a few who other people think it was. Mm. Other people believe it was Chauncey Bliss, the caretaker, which... Ugh, no. You can't pin Chauncey, on Chauncey. No. Because he, obviously, they say 
in some stories, he has access to the cabin. So he could have, like, whatever. Okay, but a man named Chauncey is not... How is Chauncey? Yeah. I mean, he went by his nickname, He sounds like still, a good man. Yeah. Well, his son had died in a car crash earlier that year. Mm-hmm. But he had been friends with the Robeson kids. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Richard had acted in a weird way after the murder. And so mm-hmm. Chauncey kind of, like, blamed him or, like, was upset with him because of it. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a very drastic response. Like, I understand you're upset, but that's right. pretty intense. That does seem... So would that guy's response to him, I guess, like, it's money motivated, so that's a little different, but still drastic to kill kill the entire family instead of just the guy. Well, I don't know if he killed the entire family because of, like, the life insurance policy he thought of. Like, I don't know if it would have gone to one of the kids or something if he hadn't killed all of them. Oh, if he hadn't killed all of them. I don't know. I don't really know because they didn't really go into that. But other people believe that it was none other... Than John Collins, the Ypsilanti Ripper. Are you serious? Some people believe it was him because... That is so funny. Richie shared a room with him, or he met him and possibly <gasps> shared a room with him during orientation week. Weird. Yeah. yeah. That's freaky. So, like, obviously that has nothing... It's not his M.O., but they think that, that there's a connection there. So some people firmly believe it was him. Wow, that's weird. But, like, I don't know. I don't because... Especially, I didn't really know what... He, the Ypsilanti Ripper did, but right. obviously there's nothing connected there's nothing, to that, yeah. except for the fact that he knew Richard, but he obviously knew other people. Right, exactly. So, but I just thought it was crazy. But it's also, connected. like, how would he know where the cabin was? Yeah, like, like he's so like, yeah, I went there with Rich one time, we we, we roomed together. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? But I just thought that was interesting. That's that. wild. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not funny, but like... But like, ironic, like, yeah. that, like, you talked about it. I was like, yeah. oh, shut up, when you <laughs> start talking about it, but anyways, uh, that's I actually... the Good Heart Murders. Oh, um, the cabin where they found the bodies mm-hmm. was actually demolished because they couldn't get the blood or the odor out because it had been <gasps> so long. Oh, wow. And the property just went for sale like a couple, like a couple years ago. Wow. Yeah. Like that's how long Let's it's been. Let's go check it out. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Let's <laughs> go check out the property. <laughs> Sorry, I just made that connection. Let's do it. Let's bring like um, a EVP. EVP reader. I don't want to disturb them. I feel like they've been through enough. I just want to talk. I just want to, I just want to chat. Did you really know the Ypsilanti Ripper? <laughs> Did you really know him? Yeah, we could ask him who it was. <gasps> do you believe John Collins killed all these girls? Oh, do you mean who killed them? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> do you believe? <laughs> That's the one question I'm going to They were all murdered by someone that we don't know, and I'm going to ask them if they believe John Collins killed the Ypsilanti Ripper. They'll be like, What? <laughs> Like, oh. that's what you can do to ask me. <laughs> get, up, get the hell off my property. Um, all right. So, I have another short story. The story that my dad keeps telling me to cover. Bonus story. Every time. Oh, yeah, I time. forgot about that part. Yeah. I was, I meant to, like, listen for how your dad, like, was connected to, to the that last story. Yeah. And I forgot. It wasn't even that story, so. Mm-hmm. It was this one, so. Okay. Um, yeah, no. So, Robert Lee Haggard. On September 23rd, 1977, Doris Arnett went to a bar in Midland with some co-workers. Her husband, John, in was... In Midland? In Midland. Michigan? Midland, Michigan. <gasps> it's Michigan murders. I what know. <laughs> in, in, in Michigan. Midland, 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 Michigan. Everywhere. And the other guy you said was in Kentucky, so I oh, just like... No, it's the same story. Sorry. Okay. So, um, her husband, John, um, wasn't really that worried when she didn't come home the whole weekend. 
Um, I don't know if, I don't really know if September 23rd, 1977 was a Friday or a Saturday. I don't know. I didn't look it right. up. But she didn't come home for the weekend. And apparently that wasn't that odd. Mm. Like she would just go out and stay with friends. Mm. This wife and mother of two. Interesting. Um, so, but when he found out that she didn't show up to work on Monday morning, he called the police and was like, hey, my wife's missing. Like she never misses work. That's yeah, apparently, yeah. And the police were like, obviously John did it because one, it's a husband. Two, why did he wait so long to report this disappearance? When you said John, I thought you meant John Collins. I was like, like oh up. my god, this guy does not die. <laughs> it's, it's the 70s. He got out. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, Doris's husband, John. Okay. So they began searching for her because like, they're like, okay, it's really weird that she would just like disappear completely, not even just like for the weekend, just leave. Mm-hmm. Two weeks after her disappearance, her body was found by a hunter in the woods she was missing her purse, her shoes, and distinctive floppy leather hats. Hmm. Um, and those were all found on M20. On M20? On M20! <laughs> Ew, this is too close. It's too close to home. That's how, like, that one murder yeah. we talked about. Someone I know stopped listening because they're like, that's, like, right by my house. And I listened to it when I was home alone. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's not like he's still there. Yeah, no, he's gone. He's long gone. Yeah. But still, it's, like, wow, weird when you on know. on M20. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so the night Doris disappeared, she had been in an argument with none other than Robert Lee Haggard. Haggard had actually been released from prison a few months prior. He, and he had been in prison because he had violated his parole hmm. by committing another sexual assault. Wow. So okay. he was convicted of sexual assault, uh, sexually assaulting a 14-year-old in 1974. Wow. Um, got out, violated this with another sexual assault, and then got out again. And then attacked, and then had a conversation conversation with Doris. You know, I think I'm thinking this guy should not have been let out. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people think that. Hmm. Um, so they couldn't connect Haggart to the murder because they're just like, well, we can't really pin a murder on someone that you had an argument with outside a bar. Mm-hmm. Like that happens. So the case went cold. In 1981, Haggart married Garnetta. Their marriage lasted six months before Garnetta filed for a divorce. <laughs> At this time, they were living in Kentucky. That's why I said Kentucky. There we go. Okay. And he was facing up to, or facing charges for passing 17000 or 45000 today in bad checks to buy livestock. Wow. Auctioning or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, he uses bad checks to buy some cows. <laughs> Got me some pigs. Let's go. Yeah. He doesn't auction them off or anything. He just keeps them as pets. <laughs> There's like hundreds of pigs. You're like, look at this baby over here. In February of 1982, uh, when they're, like, waiting for the divorce, Granetta decides to visit her mother and stepfather in Farwell, and they were having a little bit of a family, like... In Farwell. <laughs> this is weird. It's like a little family gathering type of thing. Okay. So on February 16th, 1982, Granetta's sister, Alice Russell, went to, you know, went to the home mm-hmm. of George and Vaudrey Post, which were Granetta's um, parents, obviously. <laughs> I said Granetta's sister, and I said, went to their her parents' home, who was obviously <laughs> Granetta's parents. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah. I was wondering. <laughs> the Cusco. The poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. <laughs> the poison specifically for Cusco. So when they got to the house, Alice and her husband, they noticed that the lights were all off, and nobody was, like, answering their calls or when they were, like, yelling at them. So Alice entered the kitchen, turned on the lights, and saw Vaudrey and Granetta lying face down on the kitchen floor. 
So immediately, Alice and her husband, I don't know if they were taking naps, but Alice and her husband, that's what you said no, last time. about like, Shirley on the kitchen. Be- you literally said that about <laughs> Shirley on the kitchen floor. Yeah, like, but these ones weren't covered. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm assuming they saw blood. Oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Not like it was smell, like, putridly, like, Yeah, but body. the way the other one sounded. <laughs> she was just like, but She was just laying on the floor. She was napping with, a, with the smell of bodies around. With a sheet over her. <laughs> but not her, her feet got a little tall. She just did have a lot of cats. <laughs> oh, God. So Alice and her husband went to the neighbors and called the police. Investigators found George Post at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, he had been shot. Well, they obviously saw, you know, Vaudry and um, Granetta shot mm-hmm. on the floor. Outside, they found a pickup that was, like, riddled with bullet holes. Mm-hmm. And inside of it were Helen Gaffney and her four kids, 10, 8, 4, and 1. Mandy, the one-year-old, was the only survivor, and they found that Helen had, like, looked like she had been draped over the kids after she was protecting them from gunfire. All of the victims had been shot at least once, but the wounds were so extensive at first, they were unable to determine if they'd actually, if they had been shot, or if they had been stabbed as well. So they couldn't determine at first. Um, I don't, they didn't really clarify if they had been or not. Mm -hmm. They just said they couldn't determine. So Alice later revealed that Garnetta had filed for a divorce because she was actually afraid of Haggart. And she told Alice that earlier during the night before the murder, she had heard someone knocking at the door mm-hmm. and had told her that she's like, it's Haggart. And she's like, okay, it could just be anything. It could just be an animal that's hitting the door. Right. And she's like, no, 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 I know it's him. Um, nothing was taken from the house. And the only damage besides gunfire was a phone receiver that had been torn from the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, the lawn was also littered in, like, gun rounds, gunshot rounds. Oh, wow. Uh, witnesses la- a witness later cr- claimed that um, they dropped Haggard off near Farwell, um, and another witness saw a man lo- who looked like Haggard walking near the farm with a duffel bag. In Kentucky, actually, they put up roadblocks where they thought Haggard was going to be, mm-hmm. and when R- Haggard saw the roadblock, he tried to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, dang <laughs> Uh, the car he was driving belonged to George Post. Oh, it's like the suspense is killing <laughs> Sorry, I forgot his name. <laughs> Who's so the victim, one of the victims, it belonged yeah. to George Post. Wow. In October of 82. Not suspicious at all. <laughs> Hager was convicted of seven counts of murder and received seven life sentences. Good. The prosecuting attorney, Jerry White, said he didn't appear to be the type of guy who would commit such crime. I remember how docile it was. It made your skin crawl. It was almost surreal. And I saw a picture of him, and he kind of did, like, he kind of did look like he had a meek demeanor. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of just, like, just, like, weird. Like, you're like, yeah, he doesn't seem like he just, like, violence or shit. Right. People. But apparently people that know him said he had, like, he was unpredictable and, like, just a really violent person. Um, in 2003, he died in prison of natural causes. Um, after his death, a friend called the police asking for more information. Like, he wanted more information about the murder, but um, the family was, like, you mean shook like about his death. About his death, but about the murders, too. Like, they just, oh, he just okay. wanted more information. He was writing a book. Oh, okay. Uh, but the family kind of shut it down because they were like, no, we don't want you glorifying him. Because mm-hmm. they're like, he's a childhood friend, you're making it all about him. But then he called the police later and said, I interviewed Haggard before he died, and he confessed to killing Doris. Mm. In 2009, so this is, he died in 2003, so 2009, they compared his DNA to the semen samples from Doris's case and confirmed that it was a match, and they officially closed oh, that wow. case. 
So, like, saving the DNA, like, that's happened in a couple yeah. cases. Like, they're, like, they're just, like, well, guess what? Keep it. Actually, this is kind of important to note, but I forgot about it because, again, I was, like, going between articles and yeah. videos and stuff. But in one of the videos that I watched, they said many years later they tested the DNA that was found on ben- Benjamin's um, underwear, and it matched John Collins. But still, like, they couldn't connect him to any of the murders still. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't find it that exciting because I'm like, he's already, he's already serving. Like, but yeah. at least you know for sure, like, he yeah, did it. It's just crazy that, like, I mean, like, obviously he was dead already, but it's like, they're like... Yeah. It's just wild that they have these. these... I know we've talked about that before, but it's just like... I can't get over it. Think of, like, being someone back in that time that's like, you know what? Someday, someday we're gonna, like, be able to... Oh, like, one of the cops? Yeah. Yeah. Like, with the evidence. Like, they're like, someday we're gonna be able to... Well, like, that... I just... It freaks me out because I just... I always go back to Jack the Ripper. Like, they were able to figure that out from semen found on the scarf of victim. That was, like, the 1800s. And they kept the scarf. They're like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) might come in handy. Right. What? Yeah. That's what? It's it's just weird to me that, like, they would keep some evidence. It's just wild. And then, um, investigators actually believe that Hager is responsible for a lot of other unsolved cases. Oh, wow. They believe that he just committed a lot of other crimes, but they just never they were able to investigate it. it and pin it on him. Wow. Yeah, so that's the story of Robert Lee Hager. Um, hope hope my dad listens. Hope he appreciated me. Yeah. Talking about it. I'm sure he'll be like, why are you talking about this and this He fast-forwards all to the end just to, like, hear that part. <laughs> He's like, I didn't want to listen to the whole thing. I just didn't care about the <laughs> I feel like he said he knew someone that knew him oh. type of thing. Um, which wild. isn't weird because he's right. from mid Michigan. I'm sure, like he, my subdad's family is. There you go. See if they know someone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What about the so 70s? So like, very easy. 70s, 80s, very easily. Oh, wild In Michigan murders, y'all. We got some. We got some crazy hope you, ones. Hope you appreciated them. We talk about Michigan. We didn't even have to mention Michigan on it any other right. way. We have good things too. We, we got bears. <laughs> I love bears. So I've never seen a bear here. You have it. No. Not mid-Michigan. I haven't seen a bear. But you act like we have bears all over. It's like, <laughs> Just chilling. We literally, like, there's maybe been one bear sighted in Mount Pleasant in, like, Ten years. Oh my god! I just love when they walk on like two legs with their oh, arms. I just love like, bears. What are you it's doing, just, bud? We <laughs> made it sound like a bear was like our state animal or something. Oh my god! Isn't it um the Wolverine? Wolverine. Which again, I've never seen a Wolverine. They're apparently coming back. That's wild. Like because they like you know are hunted or whatever, but they're coming back. Uh, did you want to add Alice? Should be a deer. <laughs> the freaking white tail. You know how many times I see a white tail deer a day? How many times I almost hate a white tail yeah. deer a day? Um, at LSSU, mm-hmm. you can get a um, certificate in uni- hunting unicorns. Wow. Yeah, so that's come in handy in Scotland, where that's the national. <laughs> oh, fun facts about Michigan. That was close. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, we have great lakes. We do have We have five of them. Mm-hmm. No one else can say that. Yeah, technically. They could, but they'd be lying. Technically only four. No, we have five. They just don't all no. touch us. <laughs> technically only four only four out of the five great lakes prefer michigan <laughs> but they're all pretty great they are great i will say that well we hope you enjoy these stories yes hope you don't have a bad view of michigan yeah after that we hope that you missed our voices yeah hope you guys missed us we missed and, you and this got you excited in your emails and messages yeah all those emails and messages yeah. that you send us yeah. all the time we actually had a story recommendation that Michaela should cover at some point. Yes, yes. I will. Because we heard it was sad, and I was like, Michaela loves a good, super sad story that makes everyone sad. Right up my alley.
well, if you guys want to send us stories, you can do that at instead of sleeping podcast at gmail.com on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Some variant of instead of sleeping podcast, but they can all be found on our website instead of sleeping podcast.wordpress.com. It's really great. I mm-hmm. want you guys to check it out. I say it all the time. I'm proud of it. Mikaeli thinks it, I should stop us? saying I'm proud of it. I don't think that. <laughs> it's just our like ending gets really long. <laughs> so it's. Oh god! Leave us a review. You could just say, "Check out my website; it's really great." Here are all of our. Th- right, our- check out our website; it's really great. I'm really proud of it. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all in there. That's um, like those disclaimers at the bottom of, <laughs> in the commercial. I'll just film one disclaimer of yeah. me speed reading yeah. and then play it at the end of every episode. Well, yeah, go leave us a review. Yeah, rate, like, subscribe. Positive reviews are helpful. Yes. I mean, negative ones, just email us. It's fine. Well, we like construction constructive criticism constructive too. Criticism. Emphasis on constructive. Don't just tell us we suck. Because <laughs> that's know. not really going to get me anywhere. We already know. Yeah. That. We need ways to improve. Not suck. All right. Bye. Bye. See you guys later.